This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. This is Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. Together, we chat with entrepreneurs with great ideas, looking for investors to back their vision. We want to be sure investors are there as well as to find the next big hit. So let's get started. And a great big hello and welcome to this episode of Make Your Pitch. You know, we uh, we certainly we have a lot of fun here. And as I mentioned, oftentimes we with the episodes we do and the people we meet from all over the world uh, with ideas that you may may have thought of or thought you thought of. And I says, hey, I had that idea 10 years ago. Well, these are people who acted on it. These are the idea people who make things happen. And that's what we bring to you are these motivated people that are willing to dig down in the dirt. I mean, dig in the dirt as an entrepreneur and knowing it's going to take them, oh, who knows how long to make it work, but they're dedicated to making it work. And that type of person is who you're going to meet today on this episode of Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am the test case, Ellen J. Harris. Oh, you are a test case. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I, let's see. What score would I give you today, Ellen? What would that be? 10. A 10. Ah, I see. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll let, uh, maybe we might let our guest grade you, at, at, you know, after uh, some earlier work that you did on his behalf. But that's all right. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to leave that. You know, for people to find out if they if they find out. But Ellen, you know, you're my favorite. It's, a, it's all there is to it. You're my favorite. That's right. <laughs> and don't you forget it. Yeah. Hey, before I bury myself here, why don't you introduce us to today's guest? I would be happy to introduce you to Graham Speak. He's an entrepreneur, a technologist, a kite surfer, and rethinking cybersecurity. He is an entrepreneur and technology innovator who for 25 years has led teams pioneering cloud computing and cybersecurity. He solves in he solves tangible business problems through deep technical highlights and then develop technologies that scale globally for commercial success. Notably, his products and companies have included six patents, okay, emphasis on six. He's created MasterKey, clientless cybersecurity for passwordless web logins, encrypted keyboards, and invisible MFA. BankVault is an internet isolation remote browsing for small in medium-sized businesses and professionals. He's a rainmaker, future-proof computing built in seconds 
a self-evolving PASS, that's Platforms as a Service, Rainmaker, in, he did in two seconds what AWS did in 40 minutes. He has a list of, of innovative uh, discoveries that he's made on the internet and around internet technologies. His career highlights, this is important, he won the top FinTech startup worldwide at the World Cup Tech Challenge hosted by Silicon Valley Forum and Microsoft. Welcome, Graham. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks, Christopher. It's lovely to be here. Really? I wanted to say, say something, what you said at the beginning about you know, the entrepreneur gets out with his hands and starts digging and digging and digging and just doesn't let up. I mean, by gosh, that recognised that. That's certainly what the story is about. And I just wanted to give you a little anecdote. I had many ideas. Since I was a kid, I was always coming up with great inventions. And then later discovering someone else had actually already invented it, which meant they were great ideas. I was always just a little bit too late. And even within my business, which I started out of university, I kept on finding that, you know, I'd start a project and just, you know, before I launched it, somebody else's printer was broken. I'd just get distracted. And one day I decided, God, the next idea I have, I'm just going to follow through completely. And that started 25 years ago. And I'm still here on that same project. It's total commitment. That's the only way I can describe it. You, you nailed it, Christopher. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, the sign of a true entrepreneur right there, because you, you'd never give up. Uh, and technology changes with your idea along the way. So you adapt to those changes. Am I right? It is about evolution. And so you can't be just fixed and locked into one thing or you'll die. You've got to adapt and evolve rapidly. And I think one of the, the secrets of my you know, success is my willingness to uh, get over it and just simply change direction when I need to. And so I've found that it's, it's so much easier to actually, you know, when you catch the wave, just keep, keep patting like crazy. But if things are slowing down, you just got to paddle even faster and you just keep going. There is no stop. You never stop. And honestly, it keeps you young and fresh. And I'm smart. And you said, I've invented all these things. I've run a team that's invented all these things. I have some incredibly smart guys around me. And they are the reason that I look smart. They tell me what I need to know. Well, you know, Graham, they, what they say is, uh, if I'm the smartest man in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah, you've got a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, now, I know, I know, of course, that it takes a lot to manage intelligent people, but you know, the idea and bringing it together takes a lot of uh, coordination and also finding the right people. Now, it appears that you have a number of teams that you're working with. Why don't you tell us a little bit of how your company is structured and organized? You know, so yeah, obviously today we are all remote. We never used to be. I've always, you know, we used to have um, um, a large room uh, where we would meet. And typically we would get together about seven o'clock each morning. That's when we start work. And we would just simply have a, well, you know, a toolbox meeting, just chew over ideas, talk about politics of the day, whatever is interesting and free form. And, you know, there's always, you know, issues you kind of try to work out how you solve these, these problems and you, you know, that, that brainstorming session every morning for us has been, I think we've had just absolute pearl of ideas. We also did it and started doing it again on a Friday at lunchtime. I just get some sandwiches in, we sit around, just have lunch together, 
and brainstorm the problems that we hadn't solved, that we couldn't solve. And I think it's something that you said at the beginning is when you when I found that there's a problem at my feet that I can, if I can solve that problem for myself, then uh, that will actually go. It's an immediate return on investment. Okay. So this is, I think, one of the things that I've been successful in doing is I'm never really casting over the horizon for a big dream. I'm casting right at my toes that I can catch that fish. And if I catch that fish, I can do it again and again and again and repeat that 100,000 times. That's what I'm looking for. So there's an immediate tangible benefit. And I can go back to all of our successes. And there's a lot of innovations. I could, I could list off probably 2025 that we've created in the last 25 years. Um, and yeah, every one of them has been like solving a personal or internal problem that we knew that everybody else had as well. And that's ultimately right. what's led to the birth of what is now uh, yeah, Master Key, Bank Vault Master Key. Well, you, you, you really are, you really are hitting it on the head yourself. Uh, so many folks will uh, begin the project and as they move forward, they think of something that's out there that maybe relates to what they're doing now, but then they start spending their time reaching over that hill as opposed to perfecting what they're working on right now. The old statement is, I always say, is you always want to dance with the one or leave with the one that brung you, you know? So, <laughs> uh, if that, if you say that, that means that, you know, right now you want to leave with what you're developing and then take it outside if you want to, but. So, it's so true. You, you really need to actually get a tangible return on that effort um, or you'll probably wither and die quite quickly. Uh, I, I do meet a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I, I do like to contribute. And, and my advice is always um, make sure it's a really big pain point and make sure that if you solve this, that someone's going to pay you for it pretty, pretty quickly. And if it's a big enough pain point that the whole world has, then you have a total addressable market that the investors will be interested in. Well, let's, let's talk about the pain point that you're solving. Tell us about it. So, yeah. So, so I mean, I, we, we've now, you know, we've, gone from what became cloud computing. We, we pioneered the, the area that is now cloud computing. Uh, and we pivoted our technology into the area of cybersecurity. And uh, originally it was, uh, and this, this came out of a phone call from a real estate agent. Um, they, the government was educating the real estate agents that their trust accounts were being hacked successfully. And the trust account holds money that's other people's. There can be more money in the trust account than your business is worth. And the problem was that, you know, everyone thinks that the banks are going to reimburse you. They might, but you need to first prove to the bank that you're not defrauding them. That can take months. Um, if you're the trustee of a trust account, you are personally liable and you are liable within 24 hours. At 48 hours, the government actually shuts you down and you're out of business. So yeah. it was a, a really sharp, clear, acute pain point. Um, and that was when I realized, no, there's, we've got a solution to this. We, it was one of the, the technologies we'd, we'd built for, for cloud computing. I gave it to this guy and he loved it. And that was, wow, hang on. I, I, yeah, this was under our nose the whole time. I mean, this thing, actually, this little device been sitting on my desk for two years and we didn't know what to do with it. And we suddenly had this market. And that was the pivot point for Bankvault. And it was also one of these really sobering periods where what we've done was really incredible, but we're in this chasm of death. 
we had early adopters, we had revenue, but the sales cycle was so long. It was typically 10 months. Um, and we were never going to get explosive growth. So the pivot was realizing this and being prepared to change. And I, I said to the guys, I think we're pivoting. And the process took two weeks. And at the other end of it, I remember I gave my first test case. I had one of my hardest customers walk in, a guy called Helmut. Um, and I said, Helmut, sit down. I want to, I want to pitch an idea to you. And, uh, you know, I just said, look, yeah, basically, you know, if, here's the evidence that, you know, bank accounts are being hacked. You know, and if it happens to you, um, you know, it, it, it can happen. This is how it would happen. Um, so you think that you're safe because the bank's going to reimburse you. They might, but it's going to take weeks or months. Meanwhile, your cash flow is screwed. You know, your two most precious assets on your balance sheet is your cash and bank reputation, and that's gone overnight. Um, anyway, he said, look, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. And, uh, you know, I also want a security audit. That process took 10 minutes. My sales cycle had gone from 10 months to 10 minutes. I was selling it for 10 times the price. I didn't tell you that part of the story. And my cost of delivering it was one-tenth of what it used to be because I wasn't doing backups. There was no mail service and all the rest of it. And it's like, oh, my God. And, and, and it was that product that I won top fintech startup worldwide here in Silicon Valley, which is quite a moment. And... Um, uh, Hence the birth of, you know, we changed the company name. Um, and this was such an interesting process to go from having built a really complex product to distilling one little gemstone out of it that we could then, it was as hard as a diamond, we could scale massively on this. And that is that was the foundation of what became Bank Vault now, although we are now doing better things. We're doing some really exciting things now. <laughs> well, you say exciting things now is... Uh... Bank Vault, though, is your is that your focus uh, focus product right now? So no, Bank Vault's the company name now, uh, and we will rebrand that very shortly so that we remove the bank references because we're doing banking is not our focus anymore. The um, the, the 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 leading product today is called Masterkey. This is a fairly new product that's only um, probably twelve months old. Um, I, I can just describe it this way: in in, in June. Passwordless authentication became the highest funded sector in cybersecurity. The analysts are predicting that this will basically have 90% adoption in the next few years as the industry grows from what is a $45 billion industry this year to $456 billion by 2030. It's growing at almost 30% compound annual growth rate. It's an enormous market opportunity. So we've now pioneered this space since uh, 2015. It's when I created that other first product I was telling you about. Um, we've got six patents filed around this, um, and we've just released this, which allows, <clears throat> it's called Master Key, and allows any website to go passwordless overnight. And that is about 100 times faster, or certainly 10 to 100 times faster than most other products on the market today. It's a really sharp, clear edge. Now, do and you know, our focus is purely on web login. So if your users are logging into your web portal through their local browser on their phone or on, 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 a, on a workstation, that's where we relevant, we're relevant. And most of our competitors are having to do devices and do apps, and that's that's 100 times harder to do. So we've gone very, very niche, but it's a very, very big niche. This is the future of the internet. It's, it's, it's all a browser. So it's exciting. This is such a big opportunity. 
Now, before you actually delve into how it actually operates, uh, is this aimed at uh, uh, larger corporations, midsize, or even down to the individual level, a uh, person who just has his own computer? Yeah, so this, uh, this particular product, we, we target um, enterprises. They can be small or large. So we will provide the solution to the organization. The organization embeds it in their website and the users simply inherit it. The killer advantage that we have is that for the users, there's no software and they don't even see anything. Like it's invisible to the users. There's no setup process. That is, that is a huge edge uh, comparing to everybody else who has to install software for the users. You've got change management, you know, educating the users on the change process. And in our model, that's all dissolved. So, yeah, so you, you would, yeah, if your organisation, your university, for example, deployed this, um, you would just simply start using it without even being aware of it. Well, you know, Ellen, I think uh, this sounds to me like that uh, we need to uh, talk uh, uh, him into licensing us to promote it to the general public in some way. But we'll talk about that later. Just okay. joking. Just joking. <laughs> oh, now, I, I, I want to know precisely how this all works. Tell, take, take us down that trail. Uh, look, I, I would. I'm, I'm really, really proud of this. This is so cool. This is very, very deep IP. Yeah, something I realized you know, when I was a young man is the moment something is invented, it's bleeding obvious. It's like, oh, why didn't you realize that a moment earlier? But nobody had realized it. This is the beautiful thing about in, in innovation. Um, so I can I can describe this, but I, I've got to say, I just is yeah, it's going to look very very simple. But there's a lot of thought that's gone into this, into distilling it so that it's so hardened and basically infallible. Um, so to, if I can, I'm going to I'd like to share my screen if I could, and there's a few diagrams. Let me. Um, yep. Absolutely. Please go right ahead. I'll describe the diagrams for the people that are actually not on, on video. Um, I'm just, are you seeing my screen? Yes. Yes. So I'm just going to flick to the how we do it. And actually, I want to just um, preface this a little bit with a, with a, I'll just, this never works unless I describe the pain point really clearly. Most cyber attacks out there by volume are targeting our PCs and smartphones. And the goal is identity theft, is to take over your online accounts. And it's very, very simple to do. Most of us are simply logging in through a web browser, typing in the same password. And you see the asterisk is on screen. This is simply a mask for the people sitting behind you so they can't see your password. Any software in that browser sees this as clear text. You haven't pressed transmit yet. If you're using a password manager, when it loads your encrypted password into that web form, it's now clear text. It's no longer encrypted. Again, you haven't pressed transmit yet. So password managers actually expose our credentials to malware. This malware could be a bit of JavaScript from something that you clicked on 10 months ago. According to Semantic, the average time amount of the browser is there before they sting you is 10 months. And in that time, they collect everything. They absolutely know you're logging in details to your bank account, for example. What you need is you need that two-factor authentication step. And this is why the industry is pushing very hard to go two-factor authentication so that you have as well as something that you know. It's a really good idea. 
it is a cost. It's a pain in the neck for everybody. Um, it does work, but it's not infallible either. There's a variety of techniques that you can use to actually defeat this. I'll give you one very simple one. If I've hacked your browser, um, I already know, you, you know how much money is in the bank account. I'm going to choose the day there's the most money there, and it could be payroll day. So you load up your payroll you know, or a list of creditors to pay into the bank, and I, my JavaScript, all it's got to do is change the bank account number behind the screen. I'll move the decimal point, and then you authorize it with your FOB or your Google Authenticate or your Irish scan or whatever. That money goes to my bank account. You now need to prove to the bank you're not defrauding them. That can take, as I said earlier, weeks or months. Two most precious assets is your cash of banking reputation. They're gone overnight. So these account takeovers are catastrophic for everybody involved. Um, the way we're doing cybersecurity has failed. Um, literally, this was a $500 billion cost to the global economy when I started in, in this in 2015. This year, it's predicted to be $6 trillion. Okay, by the numbers, it's not working the way we're doing detect and respond. Detect and respond is always playing catch up. There is a new generation of technologies, which we call cybersecurity 2.0. It's only just beginning, and this is now led by passwordless authentication. And passwordless authentication is very, very difficult to compromise, to breach. Um, analysts, as I said earlier, are saying this is a $45 billion industry this year. Give you an idea of magnitude, uh, this is almost 45 times larger than the password management industry. This is huge. So a lot of solutions. I'm getting to the punch point. I'm going to give you a demo too, if you'll let me. A um, lot of great solutions out there. They're all technically sound. They all suffer from the same roadblock, which is this is a major implementation project. So you're going to change the way you're measuring identity online. You've probably got a data migration to go through. You've then got to deploy client software to the users. You now have a change management project where you've got to educate those users to adopt the new technology. And the scarcest resource you've got is the A team that oversees this that has to get it right when your business is offline. So we've solved all these problems. So you asked the question, Christopher, what it is. Mask is actually a protocol. This is ingenious. It is invisible to the users. We're harnessing the user's mobile phone's browser. So there is nothing for the user to install. It's deployed from the very front face of the organization's web server. So literally all users inherit it instantly. Where we see the scale in this space here. So there are three components. One is an encrypted invisible keyboard, which will either generate the credentials or capture existing user credentials. You then retrieve these to create the passwordless experience. And then this is multi-factor authentication, but done in one step. It's invisible to the users. It's so what you see as a user when you go to the website with your mobile phone or tablet, it recognizes you and just logs in. If you're on a workstation, it's a little different. We're going to present a QR code. If you scan it with your phone camera, it transfers a login page onto your mobile phone's browser, authenticates you, and your workstation logs in. So there is nothing installed on any device. There is no setup. And the users never need to remember or enter credentials again. Can I give you a demo? Well, certainly. I do have a question, though. Let's, uh, yeah. let's say that uh, uh, is there any way to lose uh, your identification uh, 
uh, names or addresses or anything like that? Or is this handled totally different than what we're used to doing with our logins? Yeah, this is different. This is different. But what's really lovely here is that there is, for the organization that's deploying it, there's literally no changes to anything other than the front face of the website. It's a cosmetic change. There is no changes. So exactly what you're doing right now, I mean, the, the, um, the authentication engine that identifies the users is always behind the firewall. That's not the problem. The problem is always the end user, their device. And what we've done is we've abstracted the credentials away so the users never have to enter it again. And it's now controlled by the web server. It's actually a, a, a very elaborate system that um, is, a, is a triangulation between the web server, the user's mobile phone, and perhaps their face ID. So we've got multi-factor authentication here. So I would, assume, I would assume then that there is some fail-safe in case of a problem uh, that someone has that's, you know, suddenly this system isn't working for them or something. And that's a really great point because this is what all of our competitors have to wrestle with. Suddenly your organization is completely single point sensitive on this technology working. Otherwise, all users are offline. Right. The really incredible advantage we have here is there is no single point of failure. The users can still continue to log in as they would usually do. So we're a really, really beautiful add-on. We, we make the experience of logging in uh, passwordless, seamless. But if we're not there, it actually doesn't matter. The users can still do what they usually, usually do. Okay. Well, let's take a look at that demo then. So let me, let me show you. And I'm going to, um, I don't know if, if any of the users are looking at the screen, there's a static QR code on the screen. If you scan that with your phone camera, um, it'll actually just take you that, to that web link, which is the demo. And you can actually just do this off your phone. I'm yeah, going to do that. While you're doing that, is there a page they can go to uh, themselves and do this demo? Yeah, um, if you go to bankvault.com, um, uh, almost just under the top of the page, there's a green button that says experience it live. Just follow your nose. Just right. click on it. Thank you. Yep. Um, I'm going to demonstrate the workstation because this is a little bit more dramatic. I'll just get rid of the screen here for a second. Let's pause for a moment so we can hear from our sponsor for this episode. I have just set up our customer relation management system using CRM Engine, not just for its many options, but because its price is well below that of the big boys. The CRM Engine team set up all that we needed to keep track of our contacts, including those who are scheduled to pitch, our investors and strategic partners. We now know when we met, what was said, when to follow up, and includes an auto email system to stay in touch timely. It keeps us focused on what makes Make Your Pitch what it is, the people. So to learn how to keep your business in touch with your clients using CRM Engine, go to the show notes of this episode. So I'll just describe it. What we've done here is just set up a normal uh, looking username, password, login that you'd get on any, any portal. Um, <clears throat> what we've done is the cosmetic change has now got a QR code on the right-hand side. But I want to go through a little thought experiment, and I'm going to say, look, let's suppose we've been talking to a university, say Stanford University. I'm, I'm sitting here in Silicon Valley. Um, so we've been talking to the guys, and this is just a thought experiment. They haven't tried it yet. But all they need to do is think about it, 
do testing, make sure they're happy, and maybe a few weeks later decide, yep, we like it and we're going to deploy it. We're comfortable, it's secure, we're comfortable, it's going to be, there's no technology risks. So 4.30 on a Friday afternoon, they add 20 lines of code to integrate an API into the web server. And all that happens is if on a workstation, there's a QR code next to the login. So we all come into university the next morning, um, you know, Monday morning, there's a QR code on the screen. If you're in a hurry, you're going to ignore it. You're going to continue to log in as you normally do. Again, Tuesday comes around, you've got assignments due, or you're going to give a lecture, you just keep your routine. Maybe later in the week, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, mid-morning, you've got a break. And that QR code has been on the screen all week. Now, you trust your institution. And there are three words, scan to log in. So if I scan this with my phone camera, and these are static QR, a, a dynamic QR codes. So whenever anybody sees this video, that QR code will be no longer relevant. Um, <clears throat> if I scan it with my phone's camera, it simply transfers that page onto my mobile phone. And I've, first time in, all I'm going to do is going to enter my username password on my phone. It's like, well, that's cool. And it logs me in. Every time I come back after this, and I've just done it here now, I've been, been here before, it recognises me. It wants to log me in as a user called hello. I just press the button, my screen fills with asterisks and logs me in. And this application is showing us what it caught at the back end. So I've got my username, hello, my password, world, and there's a device signature of my phone. So two-factor authentication is something that I have, my mobile phone, and something that I know my credentials. It captured that without me installing or configuring anything. I've got nothing installed on my phone. There's nothing installed on my workstation and I never touched the keystroke. So I never need to remember or enter my credentials again. It's very simple. So it's just in essence, uh, I, maybe I don't quite get it, but a, a cloud-based situation then or what? It is, and that's exactly what it is. This is a cloud-based solution for cloud-based solutions. Okay. If you've got a web application, a web service that you're running, what's really beautiful is that you can integrate this and deploy this literally overnight. Now, you might want to think about it for a while, but I'll just flick to another slide here. Um, the advantage that this has over other solutions is that the deployment is on average around 10 to 100 times simpler and faster. This is a substantial quantum change. And the reason that this is so simple is because you don't need to change the backend authentication system. Every website on the planet today uses username passwords. There's no problem with that. The problem's on the end user's PC or smartphone. In our model, there is no client software, so there is no user setup. And that means that the change management project dissolves. So typical implementation for us and a typical sales cycle, I should say for us, is that we would say, take Stanford University and say, look, just test this. It doesn't need sandbox infrastructure. It means you get your front-end programmer to clone the login page and put onto a secret web address and then put some dummy data through that has no consequence. If that works, then it makes sense give it out to a few choice users for real-world feedback. If that's working, actually mount a pilot, give it out to a 1,000 users. If that works, expand the pilot. It's called a canary rollout. Just continue to expand it until all the users are live. 
the actual technical work between each of these steps is zero. It's purely who you're going to give access to that login page. If you look at it from the risk point of view, there is no technology risk because, as I said earlier, there's no single point of failure. The users can go back to entering a username and password. There is no security risk because um, this is the user's normal input. What we've done is we've abstracted it away so the users never enter their credentials again. It's now controlled by the web server and working in combination with their phone and their face ID, for example. And I'd love to describe, if you let me, exactly how that works, because that's where the genius is. Please do. Okay. All right. Let me, let me skip to my pitch deck here to the end of it. I put these things in the appendix because investors don't want to know the detail, and yet the detail is what actually counts the most, right? So we're, we're always harnessing the user's mobile phone. Okay, so that you'll get the login screen on your mobile phone asking for username, password. You enter your username through a normal keyboard. When you touch the password field, we invert the architecture. Your keyboard disappears and we replace it with an image of a keyboard transmitted from the web server. This is an illusion. There is no keyboard. What we've actually done is sent a photograph there. This could be pictures of animals, could be numbers, Chinese characters, anything. What we're actually doing, in addition to that photograph, is we're encoding the screen. So we now have encoded cells on the screen. When you press the letter A, we never generate the letter A. You're actually touching a cell. We're going to generate maybe 48 characters. The only place in the universe that can interpret that is the web server that set it up a moment earlier because that had the original security secret. It becomes a character inside the web server and it stays there web server echoes asterisks back on screen to give the illusion that it's interactive. We also pass through the device signature. So we know your 2FA, something that you have as well as something that you know. So this is the first layer. This is a technology we created about four years ago. Um, I got to pitch this to the uh, president, senior advisor on cybersecurity. Um, you know, it was really cool. We we're really, really proud of it. But there's another layer that we added in the last year. And that's this, the protocol. The protocol, what's genius about it is we have these two steps in between two endpoints. The two endpoints being the web server and the user's mobile phone's browser. So every time the web server creates a login page on the, well, if it's on a workstation, as I said, we have the QR code. If you scan that, we simply transfer it back onto your phone. So everything goes back to the phone. On every login, the web server generates a unique security secret. Keeps part of it private, as part of it public. The public part is now on the user's mobile phone. The mobile phone now generates its own unique security secrets as part of it public and part of it private. The algorithm is the combination of these two secrets together that encodes the screen. So when you press the letter A, we never generate the letter A. We're going to generate maybe 48 characters and we go to store it. Before we store it, we encrypt it. So we've got encrypted, encoded data now. If you spent the next, and with current technology, you'd need about a billion years to decrypt it and you'd be left with contextless, meaningless, encoded data. You've got nothing. When you're ready to withdraw, withdraw it um, and take it back to the web server, we hand it to another server called an API server. This is talking directly to the web server. 
The web server generates a new security secret and hands it to the API server. The API server receives part of the security secret from the mobile phone. It starts the decryption process, but then further encodes it and ultimately ends up inside the web server, which has the original security secret. It decrypts it there and becomes a character there. And this happens in milliseconds. On top of that, we then layer, for example, your face ID, fingerprint, a screen pattern on your phone. This is a, a standard called WebAuth and allows you know, for web authentication. Uh, it's part of the FIDO2 standard. So an organization can deploy this whole thing. It's all this com massive complexity, literally with 20 lines of code. <clears throat> they can deploy the WebAuth and standard without any software development, literally just turn it on overnight. It's very, very clever. And we can apply this to more than just passwordless authentication, we could also apply this to transaction authorization, a payment, a cryptocurrency transaction. And we can apply this in the, in the crypto space to the fact that you know, your exchange never needs to own or hold your, your private key any longer. It's now a combination of partly a secret on their side, partly a secret on your side, and then something like your face. Okay, I've got a question. Yep. All right. Okay, I'm guessing this is just a some. Uh, I'm 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 surmising based on what you described that this is a piece of technology that lives on a web server. So whoever uh, wants to log in can log in, and the I'm going to say the wireless technology on my side interacts with the technology on your side that creates this authentication that allows me to log in. Is yes, that I, I, I can see where you're going with that. You open up a really, really important question. Where does this actually sit? Like, who, who controls this? How, how can you trust this system? That's really, really important. So... What I will say is in, in cybersecurity today, there's a, a surge for this thing called zero trust where you don't trust anything. This is a zero trust solution. So the secrets that, the, that you're generating, these security secrets um, are held by the web server. By the way, they are unique on every single transaction. So they're very, very transient um, and they never leave the web server. So you would need, as I said, a billion years to decrypt this uh, without that secret. Uh, you don't have to trust our solution. You own the security secret. You never let that go. This infrastructure can therefore sit on the cloud. I mean, we'll typically run it in Amazon, uh, but it could actually, for a larger organization, it could run internal to the organization. And this scales massively. Um, so if you can imagine you know, the credentials of a user there's no personal identifiable information here, okay? Everything that is flowing through the system is encoded. We encode the screen or your web server encodes the screen before the user's intent is even there, okay? So the moment that the user touches an encoded screen, nothing can interpret this except the web server working in combination with that user's mobile. Remember, the algorithm was the combination of security secrets working together. So... The whole thing happens in milliseconds. Um, uh, it will scale like a, a theoretical limit for a virtual machine. If you push up the file handles, it's about 32,000 concurrent connections. 
So you can imagine 32,000 phones concurrently connecting and they're all connecting for a few milliseconds. The records in the data, data store are a few hundred characters. We can have tens of millions of lines of code that can be retrieved almost instantly. So this scales massively and we can actually distribute this um, actually globally. So it becomes a distributed network. So if you've got users, if you've got 20 million users around the world, this will support that without problems. I do have two unre unrelated questions. Uh, uh, one being the fact that if you have a, uh, a VPN that uh, will change your IP on a regular basis, will that interfere with this process? Yeah, good question. Um, <clears throat> I'll actually, I'll just let me counter. I don't think VPNs do very much good at all. Uh, a lot of people buy VPNs because they think they're going to help with security. They do very little. Most of the attacks that we get these days, you're downloading an email attachment into your local device. Right. You're opening up a browser. Uh, you know, you're getting that website's JavaScript is now in your local browser. Literally, all these attacks go straight straight past a VPN. Um, all a VPN is going to do is you know, very little, frankly. Um, but if you have a VPN, it makes no difference whatsoever. Um, that's just another network connection. This is a virtual private network. This, yeah, the, 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 the real beauty of this is that there is no infrastructure an organization needs to hold. Um, it's literally just you're generating a security secret on every transaction. That, that happens in milliseconds. That, that's not a hard thing to do. And the work is also being done by the user's mobile phone. And mobile phones now have a secure enclave um, on the phone for storing things like your biometrics. So nothing can actually receive that. That, that, clever, that technology is very well established and very clever. So when I said we add your face ID to this, your face ID never leaves your phone. This is a technology called public key encryption, which is basically an acknowledgement of this is the guy or no, this is not the guy. It's a yes, no. It's simple. Right. So, and and yeah. moving, moving over to the un other unrelated question was you touched on the crypto area. And yep. as far as it being used, uh, I assume it could be used on any virtual, a crypto virtual wallet, for example. Uh, that yeah, um, 23, you know, uh, 23 different names in order for the, the uh, keys, security keys and all that good stuff. Uh, what's, the, what's the use case there? Yeah, it's, it's, crypto is interesting. I mean, we were, you know, we got, we got cheesed off of the crypto industry uh, back in 2008. Uh, there was a lot of scammers and uh, it was, yeah. We actually had developed something that we thought was quite good. It was a new concept of an invisible wallet or an invisible exchange. So basically, we're creating a graphical proxy of the wallet, of, this, of the exchange. Um, it's one of our other products called WebSafe. Um, you log into WebSafe. This is all, all browser-based, by the way. So there's no apps or anything. It's like you, you go to the website. Um, in fact, I can even give you a demo right now. Uh, you'll scan the QR code with your phone's camera we'll generate a virtual machine. We'll build that virtual machine in one or two seconds. So it's a pristine new machine. That machine is invisible from the internet. And inside that, we can put a wallet or an exchange. So you would enter, for example, a hierarchical deterministic wallet, your HD wallet. You add 12 words and it would generate your keys again. You can enter those 12 words through an invisible keyboard. It's our early technology. So we generated a wallet inside a virtual machine that's invisible from the internet. This is an invisible wallet. It's got the same security as an offline wallet, but the convenience of an online wallet. You can read the internet, you can read the blockchain, you can do the transaction, 
And when you log off, it evaporates without trace. So you're secure, anonymous, untraceable from any malware on your device. It's a really, really big idea. <clears throat> we did license it to some people <clears throat> who made a mess of it. Uh, never really launched properly. Um, we're thinking now that the master key is actually a way of taking your private key. Um, so the exchange never needs to hold it. But you can authorize the, the, the crypto exchange, uh, the, the crypto transaction. Um, and there's actually more. We're not, we're not short on ideas. And those ideas can be applied to other payment industries as well. So there's absolutely relevance in the crypto industry. And it has come back onto our radar again now. Um, we're a little under-resourced um, to do all the ideas that we have, um, which is why we're, we're actually out there raising raising a series A now. Yeah, which, uh, which we, uh, we're coming toward the end of this episode, and we do not want to leave out uh, the investor and what he can expect from his investment and how much is needed. <sighs> okay, so I've got another slide here, and it's throwing, throwing out three scenarios. Um, they all look ambitious, but they're really not. Um, so as I said, the industry, the total addressable market here is, is absolutely enormous. Um, we're raising right now um, a Series A of 12 to 15 million. Um, we would expect to um, ideally want to spend about 10 million of that over the next 18 months to get to what will be about 12 million annual recurring revenue. It's not, that's not spectacular for Silicon Valley. Uh, it's fairly pedestrian. Um, the reason we should be able to get that is because the technology is so lightweight. It has got a, such a strong competitive advantage. And it's so easy to deploy. I will say also that we're not just targeting large enterprises because this is so available and accessible. Smaller enterprises can actually adopt this overnight. So it's, the, afford it's affordable then, you're saying? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely affordable. And um, so this becomes accessible to the bulk of the market. It's called the long tail. Um, we can reach that. Our competitors can't reach that because they've got these massive projects to onboard users and go through the migration. I was talking with a, a potential customer last night who's looking at this. They're a financial uh, uh, foreign exchange transaction company. Um, uh, they're arm wrestling with all sorts of issues, um, trying to deploy security. Security is really important, but they're also going through hyper growth right now. So managing hyper growth and security together, like they have a team doing this and, and this would solve all of those problems. Uh, it sounds like a throwaway line, but I'd encourage anybody to look at the detail. So what we know is if we get to 12 billion recurring revenue in the next 18 months, even on a significant drop off in growth after that, it's inevitable that we'll hit Unicorn within three to five years of now. And that's absolutely our goal. And if we do that, uh, we represent 0.1% of the total addressable market. We just need a sliver to be a multi-billion dollar company. And that's exactly what we're going for. Multi-million or multi-billion? Multi-billion. Yes. And that's, yes. off this, that's off this one product. We've got others in the pipeline. So I, 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 can, I can tell that. Yeah, Ellen, I, Ellen, I know that you have other questions, and uh, what? It, uh, but how is your uh, uh, investment structured right now? Uh, it's okay. So that what I will say: we are doing the Series A, and you know, we've got a, a potential investor uh, to join us now. 
if anybody's interested. Uh, just to give us wriggle room and negotiation capability, we're also closing a pre-series A as well, up to only $1 million beyond it. Uh, we've closed about a third of this at the moment. Um, so if anybody's interested, yes, and, and the pre-money valuation on this is $16 million. Okay. That's going to go up fairly quickly, so get a race. <laughs> we're losing your audio there, Graham. Yeah, just uh, you need to repeat that last part. We were losing, oh, sorry. Your, losing your audio there. Sorry, I apologize. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're asking for the Series A, um, but while we're doing that, we are still taking money in a pre-Series A of up to $1 million, uh, and we've closed about 35% of that today. Uh, the pre-money valuation today is $16 million and that will change, we think, fairly rapidly. We already have customers using this. We have revenue, um, and we expect this to grow because it is such a big market. And I will say every single company we talk to is interested. And all the ask is, is just evaluate it, actually just implement it, let your guys spend a couple of hours with it, and you know, kick the tires. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very low threshold to actually test it and, and work out if it's, if it's right for you. And I, I'll just end by saying, I know you want to end up, but um, literally, if anybody in the audience would like to try this with their own website, um, just ask, uh, you know, reach out. I can send you the links um, or we can do a Zoom session. You can experience it in your own hand within seconds. The demo is very simple. And, and they, would, uh, they would reach out to you in what way? Yeah, uh, so uh, my you know, CEO at bankvault.com is probably the easiest. You just simply go to the website, put something to the web form, that'll certainly get through to me. And uh, yeah, we are right on the point of, of, of this raise right now. Um, I will say our competitors are typically raising around 30 million Series A, and uh, we'd love to do that. We're asking for less, but we're kind of hoping it'll be oversubscribed. Ellen, go ahead, take us to the end here with the questions you might have real quickly. Okay. Jeez, uh, I wish they were quick. <laughs> They're not. Because um, now I'm fascinated by the technology and it's more of a, a how-to. And you don't want to give away your proprietary information. And that's the structure of my questions because it's fascinating the way you have it uh, designed. And you're, you're just entering... Uh, going in through a QR code and you get you know, everything you need. You, you do. And I will say that's only on a workstation. If you're on a mobile or tablet, there is no QR code. There's literally nothing. It just takes you straight in. Okay. It's so cool. Yeah. This is it's yeah. So the user experience is like the users probably won't even notice it. And yet it's all there. So you're just using the QR screen. So the, the QR code is only if you're on a workstation. We need to connect that workstation with your mobile phone somehow. So we simply present a QR code for that reason. Uh, there is another, another version of this, which I'll just describe where it's effectively a push. Uh, the moment you open up a workstation, your phone just knows about it and ask you to confirm. So there, again, there's no QR code there. Um, I'll just describe another scenario too, which is, which is very cool. Um, that invisible encrypted keyboard is an option. You don't have to have this. So again, another technology that we've just released, <clears throat> uh, we're released right now. We haven't onboarded a customer with this, but we're about to. Um, the customer of ours in, in, in Boston is talking about onboarding 100,000 um, new uh, 
customers onto their network. Uh, those, uh, this is uh, you know, financial information where there's a you know, anti-money laundering, you know your customer requirement. So these are investors, 100,000 investors. Um, those people will be onboarded without ever seeing a keyboard. So they'll come in literally, go to the website, and it will recognize them, and it will create the credentials behind the scene, um, and just automatically log them in. That is very, very cool. It and is. It seems, it seems your most compelling use case is in the financial services industry. You know, it's not. This is, this is where we started. We started in banking. Banking is probably our last prospect now because the sales cycles are so long. Um, certainly, security is very, very important in financial services. Yes. Everybody's educated about it. But it's even bigger in healthcare. And we're losing your audio again. It's bigger in healthcare as well. It's healthcare. Okay. Um, you've got um, everything from, um, you know, uh, healthcare to, to, to government to education. Um, it's it's literally right across the board. Okay. Another uh, market for us is, is news media. I mean, all news media has now moved online. And um, interestingly, in the enough the business case here isn't security and we've got uh, one customer uh, onboarding right now it's a uh, uh, it's a business newspaper um it's a small one you know 40,000 uh, subscribers um the business case wasn't security if a, if a subscriber is paying then just give them frictionless access right we just want to make this a beautiful experience but we do more than that we actually actually stop credential sharing so you can no longer share it around the office and that stops revenue leakage it's a really, really yes. cool angle. Yeah, it's not just security. And of course, yes. news media um, is enormous. It's all it's all now online. Yes. So that's another market for us. Um, telcos, one of our biggest prospects right now is Verizon. Uh, their pitch to us was they have 100 million users that could use this. And some of those customers are actually businesses that could use this as well. Yes. Uh, Your next horizon should be transportation. Transportation, yes. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that one yet. <laughs> well, you know. People uh, come up with better ideas. Great. great yeah. We're going to we're gonna have to have you back because there's just way too yes. much to cover. And uh, it, we've gone over now because I, I couldn't find a place to stop. I didn't want to stop. So there you go. <laughs> there's. Uh, Hopefully the next, uh, the next chapter will be. Uh, you know, a lot of acceleration this is certainly what we're expecting. This is where the fun really begins. Well, that's that. Uh, then, as, as things, uh, I know things are going to develop rapidly for you right now. So, yeah, I, I would think within within a month we need to have you back in here, describing okay. that as well. If nothing, uh, if you've already reached your investment goal, that's fine. We'll just have you back as an expert at that point. Uh, but for now, we're going to have to bring this episode, make your pitch to a close, uh, with much thanks. To Graham Speak for his tremendous uh, concepts and his experience, which he's shown quite openly to us, and we appreciate that. And to my illustrious co-host, Ellen J. Harris, thank you for all of your charm and ability as well. <laughs> and for everyone in the audience, uh, I hope you have really drawn a tremendous amount from what Graham has told us about concepts that are old but new. You know, it's all it's it's been done before, but not like this. And you investors, you better you better jump on fast because he's right. Multi billion, that's within reach.
And as we close out, again, I always want like to say in the end that we want you to always add intrigue to your pitch and always be pitching as you move through your particular uh, concept and your particular presentations. See you soon. If you enjoyed today's episode of Make Your Pitch, go smash the subscription button. And if you want, leave us a five-star review. If you think you have what it takes to be on one of our episodes, contact us by going to the show notes to learn how. But most of all, be with us again next week for another episode of Make Your Pitch. Make Your Pitch.